Want to cut cooling bills without cutting comfort? Lower utility costs and enjoy cool and consistent comfort with a highly efficient air conditioner from Luxair. With Luxair's consumer rebate program, educators, nurses, first responders, military personnel, and veterans can enjoy exclusive rebates on qualifying purchases of Luxair equipment. To learn more, call Chris Brewer at Affordable Heat and Air, 317-656-7945. They'll recommend a system tailored to your home that provides comfort, energy savings, and lasting performance. This is Trackside with Kurt Cavan and Kevin Lee, brought to you by Luxair Premium Residential Systems, a smart choice in home comfort on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. What a headline it's going to make! Marco Andretti wins in his debut in Indianapolis. He has a seven-car length advantage midway down the backstretch for the final time. Coming up on the scene in which he may have won the race. Last time by, they're waving bandanas, waving heads. Five cars ahead of our leader, a new team, and a new life for Elio Castro-Neves. Ryan Hunter-Ray is in front of Elio Castro-Neves. Two car length advantage down the back straight away for the final time. All kinds of traffic now as they work their way into turn number four. But it's Elio Castro-Neves behind Ryan Hunter-Ray trying to hold up Alex below. Castro-Neves looking for number four, Chris. A two-car length advantage. Elio Castro-Neves trying to become a four-time winner out of turn four. Off turn four for the final time, Emilio castro Davis comes to the start-finish line, twin checkers out, and then there were four, Emilio castro Davis joins the four-time winner's club, he wins the 105th running of the Indianapolis 500-mile race. Just a couple of more days, and it once again will be race week in Indianapolis. Hello, thanks for joining us again tonight. Trackside, 93.5, 107.5, the fan in indianapolis eddie garrison is in the studios downtown on monument circle kevin lee kurt cavin as we continue to get geared up for the indianapolis 500 at the end of the month the gmr grand prix is coming up uh in in fact a week from today we'll have activity going with indy next by firestone and the usf pro championships will be on track next thursday and then IndyCar joins on Friday in the race on Saturday afternoon. So that is Saturday afternoon, the 13th. Uh, what else going on, Kurt? We should remind people that 100 Days to Indy, Episode 2 premieres tonight at 9 o'clock. If you have the CW, I will be looking for the app and downloading that off of Roku. I know that's one outlet I can do it. Or just simply go to the uh, old-fashioned internet. And I think it's available to watch otherwise starting tomorrow morning. So I'll watch it tomorrow morning. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'll catch it probably uh, lunchtime tomorrow. And and I'm looking forward to it. I think we'll see more of Colton Herta, more of Pottle Award. At least that's what the trailer suggests. And we'll see where the storylines go. Yeah, I don't know what's in this one. I, I got a, a screener emailed to me even before we watched the, uh, the premiere in L.A., 
And I didn't watch that. I just, cause I knew I was going to the premiere and I have not been someone. I don't think I'm in this one because I, I didn't work the Texas race. So I wasn't there unless they use something archived that we did before the season. I sat down with them again yesterday morning. We talked a lot about hugs and lack thereof between Pottawa Ward and Scott Dixon and uh, things starting to get into the month of May. So uh, I'm encouraged and, and curious to see where things go on that front. Uh, a lot of events kind of, you know, the month of May is here. And, and I'm sad that I'm not running the uh, mini marathon this year. I was going to do like I normally do. Oh, do like a long run at Long Beach and say, eh, it's good enough. We'll give it a go. But I pulled a calf muscle the week before Long Beach and haven't been able to run since. It's fine to walk, but it's probably not a good idea to run. So I'm finally going to make the smart decision and and take the time off. So this will be the first time that I think I've been available and haven't run it for a while when they've had it. Uh, but with that, since I won't be wiped out, I'm going to go to Rev for the first time. I've never been to Rev. So we happened to get an invite from somebody uh, just a, a couple of weeks ago. So we're going to go, and I'll tell you more about the group that I'm joining next week after I get a chance to spend some time with them. Well, my last um, mini marathon uh, was 1982, and I, I intend to keep that streak alive. <laughs> I was a, I was a, going a, I was a senior to be and in great shape and, and, you know, not far from getting to run college cross country, but that, that wasn't going to be after that was over. No, no, thanks. No more mini marathons for me. Okay. You know, so I don't forget, I'm just going to go ahead and and do this now because uh, one of the things our partners with Circle City Raceway have presented us with news of the day, highlighting their racing program including their new clay racing surface Friday night at the dirt track. That's their debut 410 steel block sprints, UMP modified Ford crown Vic super stocks and pure stocks tickets, just $15 uh, for 13 to 64, 12 and under are free. Uh, also 12 bucks for military first responders, veterans, seniors, and teachers circle city raceway at the Marion County fairground, circlecityraceway.com. Got a couple of little nuggets here and I'm going to do a twist for our news of the day, Ed Sheeran and his court case. I'm going to make our news of the day today as I scan Twitter from this afternoon. It says, from CNN Breaking News, a Manhattan jury has found that Ed Sheeran's hit, Thinking Out Loud, did not infringe on the copyright of the classic Marvin Gaye song, Let's Get It On. I'm familiar with this because I watched the Today Show in the mornings uh, after I watched SportsCenter while I'm just doing my, my bit. So I've heard of this case. And here's how it applies to our world. Uh, Ed Sheeran apparently had said, you know what, if I lose this case, eh, I'm done. I've got enough money. I'm probably done. Uh, and he is one of the highlight acts for the high V weekend at Iowa. So this is good news. This means no one has to go scrambling, looking to replace Ed Sheeran and finding out if they still, if they can't get the money back, they already paid him. If that is indeed how that works. So I think Ed is still going to be appearing in the Des Moines area coming up this summer. So I think that means the Iowa Speedway people can say, let's get it on. Is that right? That's right. That's right. (laughs) Do not play it back to back with. uh, No. Well, I don't know. Don't play it back to back with thinking out loud, though. Oh, I can say let's get it on. But let's not (laughs) let's not do any kind of mashup there. And let's just stay away from that. All right. Um. 
we'll, we'll get to F1 Twitter in a little bit. I think I've had enough. Of, I, I, I enjoy F1 and I love the atmosphere and it's great background, but I'm already annoyed and it's Thursday. Enough already. I may have to just sign off Twitter for the rest of the weekend. Uh, we, we've seen enough of that. And boy, is that going to be an exciting race? That's the thing. The Thursday, Friday, Saturday, if you're interested in F1, is all you have to look forward to, is it not? Yeah. Because the worst part of the event is the race. It's over. It's That's over before, Well, Yeah, I mean, when the Red Bull the Red Bull guys win all the races, that seems, this year. And, and honestly, this is not a great – you're talking about, you know, racetracks that could use some passing it's zones. Yeah, it's, it's not the place. It'll be interesting to see what Las Vegas looks like. Uh, but uh, anyway, this is not one high on my bucket list. But as I said, I, I, it's not a great racetrack, but it's difficult to make a great racetrack with the environment they are allowed. It does, like I talked about with other street events, it serves the purpose. There's going to be a lot of money made, and that's their purpose. So well done. And it's exposing motorsports to some people that otherwise would not be exposed to motorsports in that environment. And good on you. All right. Uh, last night, we started off with tweets, and I want to do the same thing. I want to encourage more of that because we've been getting a lot of good questions, and we have every night so we can kind of get into more of a flow. And then as news breaks, and certainly as we get closer to races, we'll start off with you know more highlights of news of the day and, and things on our mind as well. Um, but let's just begin there. The plural of moose is moose. E. Hirschberger has... Another good question on IndyCar's youth movement over under for championships in the next 10 years. Pato Award, Romain Grosjean, and Scott McLaughlin, he all has it two and a half. Kyle Kirkwood, he has it three and a half. Colton Herta, he has it one and a half. The field, four and a half. Drivers currently, I'm sorry, at four. Well, I think what he means, it's two to five. I, I don't know anything about gambling. <laughs> he, he writes 2.5. Does he mean two and a half? Or is that, no, it'd be a slash if it was two to five or five to two. And so at two and a half, the field, four and a half. Drivers currently in the system, uh, two and a half. Yeah, over under. I understand that. Um, well, I'm going to take the under on all of them. Yeah. Yeah. This is a competitive sport. Uh, the one that really struck me was Kirkwood. I don't see. I don't see over over three and a half by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, the Andretti cars haven't proven to be, you know, championship medal in, in a decade here. It's been Ganassi or Penske uh, largely. You know, the one that I think you could take the over on and feel reasonably good about is McLaughlin. Uh, I think that could be one. But everybody else, you're right, it's, it's an under. You just take the under. And you can't take the no. field either because – yeah. You know, it's just too competitive. The field four and a half. Yeah, because that group there, Pato is probably going to win a championship. I think McLaughlin has a great chance to win a championship. Colton is different. You know, he's already four races in. He's not going to win the championship this year. I feel pretty confident in that. And does he have one more year in his prime? Um. Because the goal is still for him to be in Formula One in 2025 for him and for the team. So, you know, you're going to cut out two, and then he'll be back. Um, unfortunately, that's just kind of the way it goes. 
for most Formula One drivers. But great for him. I'd take the same opportunity, give Formula One a try, and maybe it goes really well. And you spend six or seven or eight years there, you know, because they're done with you by the time you're in your early 30s. And then he can come back and run IndyCar, you know, until he's over 40, if he really wants to do so. No, this is, uh, I'd be shocked if anybody goes over. You know, winning three championships, not many people do that. And when you talk Kirkwood to win four, so we've had what? Now, the, the champ car thing is different. Board A won four. I put an asterisk, no offense. There's just an asterisk by that. But what, the list is Scott Dixon and Dario Franchitti, probably, yeah. since yeah. A.J. Foyt? Yeah, uh, Mario. is, And Mario, yes. So since the mid-'80s, mid-80s. Well, let's, let's think about it this way. So almost I mean, 40 years. You ask about a decade. Joseph Newgarden's only won two in a decade, you know, Really, power, power. His his two just come within the stretch of a decade, nine years separation, I believe. So it's it's very difficult, and those two are driving for Team Penske. So, yeah, just it, all of those unders would be good. I guess trying to answer the question though, who has the best chance? It's Pato. I think. I take I take McLaughlin, but but um, fair point. He's older. He and is. he's always going to have to beat in the same car two, uh, at least two other championship contenders. Now, you can make that same case for Pato with Aaron McLaren and, you know, at least one or two in an Andretti car. Um, Yeah, good question. Good question, though. Good thinking point. Um, it gets really tough if I think you drop them all by one. Then it's, you know, if you say Pato one and a half, uh, Grosjean would still be too high at one and a half, I think. You know, he's 37 years old. Uh, so one is going to be awesome, and he's going to be pretty happy with that. If you said two and a half for Kirkwood at his age, if you said just getting to one, you know, more than a half from a, for, for Herta, same kind of thing, but fun question there. Uh, Mike Stoops, at Stoops underscore Mike, I know you can't share or maybe even know what the numbers are for Peacock, but can you comment on how it's going for NBC? I assume their police and streaming practices, qualifying, and even special sessions has continued year to year. So your first point is correct. No, I wouldn't be able to share. And two, no, I don't even know. I know more now than I did a few weeks ago because they are starting to share a little bit of that. But I'll tell you this. So, so no, we don't hear what the Peacock numbers are. What we do hear is what people that follow the industry uh, hear and NBC PR has been releasing this digital viewership. So, for example, from the Barber race, if I recall, the number was somewhere around 930,000, 940 or whatever. It was pretty much even from the year before uh, for watching on television. And then I saw a final number, which combines, and I believe I saw something like 972,000. And I could be off a few thousand on these numbers. So that tells us, okay, there was about 40,000 that watched digitally. I don't believe that's necessarily Peacock. I think, and it could be wrong, but I think you can still watch on NBCSports.com for anything that is on NBC. If you have the ability to get NBC, you can watch NBCSports.com. So I think that's a combination of Peacock 
and NBCSports.com, and maybe IndyCar Brass, maybe Mark Miles. I would think he probably knows, but I think all entities pretty much like to keep these numbers close to the vest right now until they get really big and they share them, or somehow they, when Nielsen starts rating these numbers, which I think is being discussed a little bit, and then they will have to be shared. Fair, fair, fair. You know, we we get total uh, numbers, uh, but but breaking breaking them down is not something I've seen either. So I can the say point though, I do think they're happy. I do think they're happy. I was going to yeah. say that I think they're happy. It's uh, you know they have continued down this path of providing content from all the practice sessions and you know obviously the qualifying sessions, and so you know having that material and delivering a product to the fan base is all good, and I think it's been terrific. Um, you know, and I think those that want to find it can find it. And people have gotten more used to the peacock and the streaming option. So it's it's on the right traje- trajectory. I think that's fair to say. I do hear some commentary from people, you know, that are not employees of Comcast and just people that pay attention to this side of things saying, we think NBC has done it the right way. You you're going to lose some money in the beginning of these kind of ventures, but you don't want to be behind because we don't know when that day is coming, but at some point in the transition and there will be both, which is what we're in now. But if you're behind, it might be difficult to catch up. So you may just, this is an investment. You may have to to lose some money on some things. And NBC is investing by putting some live properties and some unique content and exclusive content on streaming. And ESPN has done the same thing with ESPN plus and others are doing that as well. So I I think from what I understand, people in the industry think that they are well positioned for this moving forward. And the other thing is it's really nice to have. I think it's more important when your shows are on network than cable, because what we've seen, if you're on network, you are, um, at the mercy of your affiliate. And if they've got a telethon going on, if your race is at uh, noon Eastern and 11 a.m. Central on Sunday, that might be infomercial time in your market, and they may not carry the pre-race or the start of the race. Or when a tornado warning hits, you're off the air on network TV and there's nothing we can do about it. Table, you don't have those interruptions. So it's good if you're a hardcore fan like we are to have a backup where you can always know you can go to Peacock and find the race. And when your DVR forgets to record it or you forget to record it or the power goes out, you can get it on demand on Peacock. So there's there's that. Okay. Lawrence Cunningham asks, uh, if it were to happen, which team would have the best chance to sweep the front row for the 500? Ganassi came close last year for the top six. Carpenter, Andretti, Penske, McLaren. Another great question. So I'll go on a limb and take it a little bit further. I might be surprised if Ganassi doesn't sweep the front row in qualifying this year. Think about it this way. You know, Erickson has continued to get better. He's gone 13th, 11th, 9th, and last year 5th. He's been getting better in qualifying. Dixon has gone 2nd, 1st, and 1st the last three years. Won polls for the last eight years. And... You know, he started in the top four with three different manufacturers. I mean, he's been incredible. So Dixon should be there. Pelot was on the front row last year. They were both 1-2. So I think the combination – oh, and Sato, 
Sato's been a front row qualifier. So I think with those four guys, it wouldn't surprise me if they swept the front row this year. Now, will they? The odds are pretty pretty unlikely. I mean, the odds aren't in their favor, but if someone's going to do it, it'll be Ganassi. Can't argue that. Uh, that's definitely the best chance. Second best chance is going to be McLaren, and let's just look at it from numbers. I think they might have the second best cars as well, but they, like Ganassi, have four that we think are going to be pretty good. So they got four chances to get the three spots. Penske has to go three for three. Carpenter has to go three for three. Andretti would have numbers. They would have five, but Devlin DeFrancesco is not a candidate for the front row at this point. And I have no idea whether Marco Andretti is or not. Uh, it depends on whether he gets the slow car syndrome. He won the poll in 2020. He was not quick last year. So, But I would think they're the next candidate. If you kind of went, eh, them, them or Carpenter. I, I would say Andretti potentially has four chances as well. You put Marco with the other three, but they're unknowns there. There's just a lot of inexperience at the Indianapolis 500 with Kirkwood and Grosjean. And even Colton is... Yes, he's a kid, and this will be what is fifth or sixth five hundred, but it's it's still somewhat relative there. So yes, you're right. Your answer is Ganassi. Yeah, I think that is uh, the other one I counted up. Seven front row starts now for Scott Dixon. Seven. So if you're telling me that the Andretti's are going to be good or the Aero McLarens are going to be good, they're all going to have to beat Dixon in order to sweep the front row, and I don't think they all can. Joseph Hall, J. Hall, 1455. Any chance on bringing the balloon spectacle back to its proper race day tradition? Short answer would be no. It's not happening right now. Uh, it will happen if someone figures out how to do an environmentally friendly balloon, something that the protesters will decide it's not worth their time to protest. But it's just, in my opinion, not worth it to go through angering a group and bringing that type of attention to your events. Yeah. You don't, you don't need that distraction. You're, you're there to race. Uh, and there are other, I suppose, uh, situations or issues or topics, uh, that are out there that you just don't need the distraction leading up to the Indy 500. Uh, you, you know, just, I'm sure they're looking into what might work in the future. As yep, I think they'll get, get smarter. There. Yeah. It, but this year, no, I don't, Unless someone's been keeping an awfully good secret, it's not happening anytime soon. Um, but hopefully again someday, because, you know, I, I miss it too. And I'm not smart enough to know what the environmental impact is. So, um, yeah, there are probably bigger issues involved, and I'm still going to love the events. All right. I forgot to mention this is at the top. It was worth mentioning. We've got a guest on the program tonight. Uh, I'll be back in a few minutes to see what we missed and catch up on some late tweets as well, but Kurt is going to go one-on-one -on -one with IndyCar rookie Stingray Rob coming up in just a moment. Trackside, 93.5107.5, The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is Trackside, brought to you by Luxair Premium Residential Systems. A smart choice and home comfort. On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 
Welcome back to Trackside on a Thursday as we get ready for a lot of happenings at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, GMR Grand Prix next week, and the Indy 500 to follow. Somebody who's going to get a lot of that, a lot of Indianapolis. He's been spending a lot of time in Indianapolis, but going to get a lot more of the Speedway is Stingray Rob, who I got to think after four races in the NTT IndyCar Series, you have to be thinking, am I really an IndyCar Series driver? Uh, you're still, you took such a nice progression through the road to Indy, and now it's finally here and it's real. So, how's it feel? Good. Uh, um, you know, we were, we're rolling off of a, a bad weekend at Barber, uh, having that mechanical failure pretty early on in the race. But um, that was the first weekend that I actually felt like a, an IndyCar driver. I think part of that was just like everything's kind of settling in. I'm going to tracks that I know now. I'm not going to new events for me. And, um, you know, Barber was a track that we tested at earlier this year. So, I don't know. I, I'm still getting the pinch me moments every once in a while. But uh, they're fewer fewer and far between. But it's still really cool. You know, I get to look back at the race and say, oh, I was racing against Felix Rosenquist or Scott Dixon or, you know, whoever else it was. And it's like, wow, I, I'm, I'm a fan of those guys still right now, you know, competing against them. Um, but it's a cool feeling because it means that I'm, I'm doing what I love. You got a lot of TV time over the weekend because of that, uh, that barber incident. <laughs> that has to be the strange feeling you've been, you know, motoring along at attacking the racetrack. And then you're just sitting there and people are going by. I know you were in a safe spot, uh, but you just kind of are sitting out there. In fact, you know, if, if you remember a couple of years ago, James Hinchcliffe had one of those, was that a barber? It was a barber. And he he literally sat there the whole race. So you have to sit there that long. What's that feeling like? It's kind of like I remember playing sports growing up. And when coach would bench you for making a mistake, and you get to watch all the other kids go out and play, that's what it felt like. You're just sitting on the bench, watching everyone have fun. You're stuck in the middle of the racetrack watching cars go by. But I had a great conversation with AMR safety crew in the in the middle of the race there. So, <laughs> yeah, it's still sad to to watch other people go have the fun. So you had to you didn't get to go. You couldn't get back to the pits. Is that what happened? I mean, I know you sat in the car for a little bit. So you sat like in a safe zone with the AMR guys. Yeah, yeah. So they actually just pulled my car up into the short shoot between turn five and the back straightaway, and so I just sat in that AMR safety truck for you know whatever that was the remaining. 55 laps or so um we were we were betting lemon drops to see when mclaughlin was going to get around grosjean and uh yeah i i guessed right i said three more laps and it was three more laps exactly so i was like that's the highlight of the day i was guessing on who was going to pass who there but uh yeah it was unfortunate that i had to sit there for that long i'd rather be out on the track in my own car rather than in someone else's safety vehicle yeah, and you had the the TV time as well at St. Pete b- being collected in that crash. You you you're actually earning it the wrong way. I, I, I don't I don't know any other way to put it, but that's uh, kind of the way that's happened. I agree. I'd rather be up front earning it with uh, results than I am the way I am right now. So Stingray Rob joins us, driver of the number fifty one Biohaven Honda. By the way, this is a long a long introduction, the Dale coin racing with Rick Ware racing. It almost tongue ties me a lot. So I assume you've had to practice some, uh, let's talk about <laughs> Indianapolis. You you've been living here in town. Uh, you've, you certainly see the, or, or have seen over the, over the last couple of years, the momentum build for the month of May. 
Have you allowed yourself to to kind of think about that part of it yet? Or is it still just what's, you know, it's not real yet because we're not at the racetrack? Yeah. Um, I think what you just said, it's not real yet because we're not at the racetrack. But, you know, one thing I will say is that being in Indianapolis, I got to experience that last year, like the month of May leading up to the 500 and kind of the, the I won't say culture, but the excitement in the city around the event, right? Like, May 1st, it kicks off everything. And it seems like everyone's excited leading up to it. I mean, I'm looking out at my street right now and there's checkered flags across the street. I I saw a Stingray Avenue sign on someone's garage door, not far from where I'm living right now. And it's just cool to see like the excitement the city has and how that plays into the whole feeling of the month of May. Like, even though we're not on track, it still feels like a race weekend. It still feels like everyone's uh, wanting to be there like tomorrow. And so it's kind of a cool thing to experience as a fan first. And so I got to go to the 500 in the last two years and then see what that was all like building up. And then living here last year, uh, I got to go to the parade, like walked from my apartment to the parade and I uh, got to experience all the festivities there. So now I think I'm excited to see what it's like on the other side and uh, to drive in it. And I think the competitor in me is going to say that, um, yeah, it's cool. It's exciting, but I want to win. And so that means that my focus is on the racing side a lot more than it is on the, the fun stuff around it. Yeah, one more thing about the fun stuff around it. Uh, I suspect that even in Idaho, your uh, home state, there's not a a street sign uh, in a downtown street that says Stingray Rob. And I, and you've 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 surely seen those street signs. For those that don't know, uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway staff does a good job of of placing these signs across downtown. And so you have your own street right now in Indianapolis. That's that that just is strange. It's a great idea, but it's strange. It's very cool. It's fun to see. Like, I'll I'll get texts from people that are walking downtown. Like, Stingray, your street sign's right here. I'm like, I'm, it's awesome. It's so cool. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, the road course race first. Um, you know, you've run the course. What do you like about it? You know, what what do you anticipate uh, the familiarity being like next week? Yeah, um, I have good memories of the road course. I think 2020. That's when we had our triple header race weekend there that I swept. Um, won all three races there in Indian Pro 2000, which is now under a different name, but it was Indian Pro 2000 at the time. Um, and going there last year in the Indy Next series with Andretti, I started okay in the race. And I remember I fell back early and then we fought our way through. And then that, that early yellow flag came out to cancel the race due to weather. And then we sat and watched the Indy car race go by and I went out in the rain. So we, we had the first half of the race in the dry and the first or second half of the race in the rain. Um, and ended up finishing on the podium after falling back to like 13th or whatever it was. And so I have good memories there. It's a track that I, I've been on quite a bit. I really like permanent road courses. You know, I, I say that those are kind of my bread and butter just because it's what I grew up doing in go-karts. Um, so there's some sort of familiarity there as well as just with the time that I've spent on that track. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. I think that the IndyCar around that place is going to be interesting to drive because you have the big, long front straightaway down to a big break zone at turn one. Um, and I haven't had something where you're entering with that much speed yet, um, and, and at least in uh, the Indy car. So I'm excited to see what that feels like with the carbon brakes and everything and the extra downforce. But um, I think that the, the team's done a good job of kind of listening to feedback over the last few races going into this event to see, okay, we can roll off the truck with a slightly different uh, example of what Stingray needs. Because, like I said, I felt like Barber was the first weekend that I had that I actually felt like an Indy car driver. And part of that was 
you know, giving the team feedback that they can utilize. And like we made progress from practice one, the warm up. you know, we were 23rd, 24th, 25th in practice one, and we were 14th in the warm up on Sunday, right before the race. And that was an example of what the team was able to do to progress through the weekend. And so I think that going from another Marber, a permanent road course to uh indie road course, it's allowing us to kind of build on that program even more so. And that might even be a weak area for us as a team. Um, and I'm still learning how to drive the car in the meantime. So um, it's cool to see like, this is the time of year when the things start to like, build momentum, start to build on those stacks, the foundation blocks and you're stacking them higher and higher. Um, so it's kind of a, a fun thing to think about that, you know, we're going to any road course, but in the back of my mind, I'm still thinking 500, you know, I'm still going to go around that place thinking, Oh yeah, here in a couple of weeks, we're going to be doing one of the biggest races in the world. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely am excited for this next weekend. Uh, so Stingray Rob joins us. You, you mentioned the 500. How did the test go? What were the, what were kind of the eye opening moments uh, for you as you know, you attacked the oval for the first time? Yeah, so we had the the rookie orientation test the morning of the event, and that was kind of interesting because the cars are not made to go that slow. You know, we had to do 15 laps of 205 to 210 miles an hour, and then once you check that box, you go from 210 to 215, and then once you check that box, you do 215 plus. And so that 205 to 210 number we just stack downforce on the car and try to make it as slow as possible because the, the Indy car itself, it's very efficient at those speeds. You know, it's creating a lot of downforce, but at the same time, it's like I'm lifting on straightaways to make sure I'm going slow enough. <laughs> and then once you get up to like the 215 plus range, then you got to take downforce off the car and pretty flat out. But, um, you know, I think the test gave me a good eye opening to what a lower bank track is like. Um, you know, my only experience on a super speedway was Texas and that was super high banks, really a lot of grip, um, more than I was expecting. And it raced really well. You could actually run, you know, two lanes wide and Indy is a little bit different in the sense because you, you can't run two lanes wide. If someone makes a move on you, you got to back out or stay in front. One of the two, you don't have an option to kind of go too wide through any of the corners there. So, um, I got to experience some of that, you know, a Renus passed me into the turn three off the back straightaway. And uh, I got in the marbles a little bit and the track was so dirty and dusty. Um, I was expecting it to be at least a little bit more forgiving, but it wasn't, you know, with that tail went down to turn three, I, I felt that that understeer going to that turn, the extra speed and the dirt on the racetrack. So that was a bit of an exciting experience, but, um, you know, outside of that, um, the things that I learned throughout the day, I think that just like the closing rates of the cars at that speed are insane. And uh, there's a lot of, nuances that go into driving on a super speedway, managing the gaps, managing the draft. And, uh, you know, I think that we didn't really have, we, we didn't have our 500 car. We were, we were on a road course car that was set up to go on a super speedway. So it's not, it's not the, the fastest car in the world, but, uh, you know, we had an extra downforce on the car just to keep me comfortable and dealing with that extra wind and gusty that the, the back straightaway was really fast. That front straightaway was really slow and that affects the turns accordingly. And so, um, we just wanted to keep it safe, keep me comfortable, keep me where I could keep my confidence. And, um, I think that going into the month of May with as much seat time as I'm going to have, I'm going to keep getting better and better. We know that the team's got a good oval car. They had it at Texas. They're going to have it here. So I'm excited about it. So you, you ran, you're going to run an oval car, a different car for, for the month of May when that starts on the 16th. So, 
So that's uh, some guys did the road course car. Some guys did the oval test car. And by the way, uh, you say that you can't go too wide in turn one. There are guys like Tony Kanaan uh, <laughs> who don't subscribe to that theory. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, I've I've heard of a few names bouncing around the paddock that they like to go too wide more than the others. So I know who I'm racing against. <laughs> have you uh, have you had some like uh, where where has been your like celebration moments uh, in this? I know these four races haven't gone quite maybe as as you'd like. Uh, you had the crash at Texas, which obviously not fun. But has there been a couple celebration moments this season already? Yeah, I think so. Um, St. Pete, the celebration moment was finishing the race or at least most of the race. Um, after that turn one or turn three incident on lap one, I thought our day was done. And so the fact that we were able to keep going and get the car back together, I was like, okay, that's good. We can celebrate that. Finished 16th, I think at that race. So, um, and then I think my most recent celebration was probably at long or not long, sorry, Barber, um, in the up before race day. You know, I think that the package that we rolled off the truck with, like I've already said, was not something that was very effective. And so it was cool to see that the team was able to take the the feedback I was giving and make steps forward because of that. And we were taking big swings at the car, honestly, and they were all going the right direction. And so um, that was fun to kind of see and celebrate. And in uh, a warm-up, it's not very uh, telling of what the race is going to be like, but at least for the first part of it, we were running in the top 10 on pace and then um, we're, we're going faster and faster and didn't really get to make the changes that we wanted to, to adapt to the conditions like other cars did. But it just seemed like that was kind of the moment where things are starting to click. Um, and I, I actually beat David, my teammate in that session. And uh, that was kind of like, like I said, the first time where I was like, okay, I can be an Indy car driver, you know, give myself a little pat on the back and keep moving forward. But, um, it, it's kind of cool to kind of get the sensation of like, I'm not just searching for what the answers are right now. Like I'm kind of giving myself a direction and, uh, know where I'm supposed to be at. Have you had uh, simulator time, uh, recently? Have you gotten any this season? So I have my, my home simulator that I've been using recently. Um, but other than that, no. Yeah. I just didn't know how, how much, you know, extra prep time you've had going into the season. Where are the other places as you look at the rest of the season, uh, that that you have had success. I know you run you won the Indy Next race last year at or one of the two at Laguna Seca. Where would be the other places in the season that that you would expect that uh, things would go well? Um, looking at the calendar, probably Mid Ohio is a good option. Road America, a lot of the permanent road courses. Um, seems like Gateway could be a good opportunity as well. I think that the team's got a good car there as well as with that extra experience later in the season it things start to click better at that event um portland could be one that's not necessarily a, a track that i've done at or been successful at other than at the the double a ladder of indy pro 2000 um i struggled there in the indy next series for some reason but it seems like a lot of the permanent road courses are familiar to me and those are the, the areas where i can feel my brain clicking a lot more I can I can feel the the progress being made a lot more at those events. So, um, I don't know. We'll we'll see what the street courses are like. Toronto is definitely a track that I'd like to do well at. Um, I haven't been there in a few years, but when it was there, it seemed like it was a fun track with the different um, pavement changes and just kind of like the transitions from those different uh, aggregates on that track. 
like turn one, for example, you're, you're on like three or four different aggregates just on the way in. Yeah. And then on the exit, it's four more other ones. So um, that seems like it'll be kind of fun to, to test the waters on. And Nashville is a track I did a, last year, did well at. And uh, I know that seems to be a bit of a crash fest, but if you stay clean, it could be a good event. So um, yeah, a lot of street courses and probably gateway. Sounds like a lot of fun. You're going to be, you're, you're going to find another level of uh, commitment and uh, I guess, you know, your schedule is going to look different here in the next couple of weeks as we get rolling with Indianapolis. Cars are on track next Friday and Saturday with a race, the GMR Grand Prix next Saturday on NBC and, and here on the IndyCar Radio Network. And then we roll into the, the big show on May 16th. Going to be big, big fun. Um, we're, you know, we're very hopeful that it's a good month for you. Yeah, thank you. You know, this is uh, definitely an exciting time in my life, but you know, I, I'm a little jealous of the other guys in the series that know what they're getting themselves into. Every weekend, I'm I'm experiencing something new. It seems like so. That's why I'm excited about next weekend. It's a it's a track that I know. It's a race that I've been to. Um, but the 500, man, I don't even I don't even have an idea yet of what that's going to be like. You know, they, they they said it all changes once you're in the race. Um, the the teams, I think, understanding of where I'm at, and they're excited to see where I'm going to be be like come the 500 but uh that's going to come with prep time and all that time that we're going to get during the month of may Bingray rob the number 51 biohaven honda good luck to you appreciate it Kurt. all right this is trackside we'll be back in just a minute kevin see what we missed and what we need to clean up 93.5 the fan hi life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is Alexander Rossi, and you're listening to Trackside. Okay, what... Did we miss uh, a lot of Formula One tweets? Uh, so we'll move on. I saw this from Hunko's Hollinger Racing. They tweeted out that Hunko's Hollinger Racing and Reese Gold have mutually agreed to part ways as of May 3rd. That's yesterday. The future of the 76 car is still undetermined as of this moment. We wish Reese all the best in the future. So this is their Indy next team for those of you casually paying attention, formerly Indy Lights. So not the Indy car team. Um, you know, sometimes junior drivers don't finish the season because they simply run out of budget. There was another driver that didn't come to Barber because of that. I have no sourcing on this, but I feel I, I feel it's likely this is not a budget issue. I think Reese Gold is fine on budget from the family. So my guess is he will be in another car very soon, probably next weekend in Indianapolis. And my best guess is he will be in an HMD car because they have an open seat and they are winning races. They are sweeping podiums. And, you know, that's the peril if you're a junior formula team uh, that if it's not going well for your drivers, if you don't have an ironclad contract and teams always have the ability to create an extra car and so forth, you know, teams, drivers bounce around. This happens. So don't know anything, but I'd say there's a pretty good guess that we'll see Reese Gold in an HMD car. He's been a front runner in the other lower levels. I think finished second in the USF Pro 
championship last year, did well uh, in the uh, championship in USF 2000. He does have history with Cape. He ran there before and uh, in USF 2000. And his dad actually was the very first Cape driver in SECCA cars, I think it was. You know, it's kind of an amateur driver many years ago. But my bet is on HMD. Uh, a few tweets. Paul at P-K-D-O-D-I-M-E-A-D. Um, and, and by the way, uh, I know Jake. I was going to talk to Jake, who's in the studio for the next show. I'm getting reverb in my ears, so I had to pull out the earplug. So I'm not going to be able to do that with Jake this time. So we'll have to try it another time. This is uh, sometimes the challenges when you go live when you're not in the studio. Paul, I like your question. With May being the most high-profile month in the IndyCar season, which drivers most need to have a good month of May? He says, I'll start Renus VK. I need more time for this because that's a great question. And I think you can argue about 10 different drivers. Uh, there is going to be a lot of movement, potentially. Sometimes it always come out that way, but there are a lot of drivers out of contract. There are a lot of teams and I think also drivers that are looking for greener pastures. So this is a really big month for a lot of drivers. We'll address that tomorrow night. Paul Dalby, field of 33. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Can I read Jake's text that he just sent to me? I, I think uh, Shannon is going to use that for him as well. She often says six times a month, I'm getting reverb, so I can't talk to you right now. Very good on Shannon. Uh, also, on the Twitter machine tonight, asked by, where did it go? Where did it go? I saw this. Uh, see, I got distracted, Jake. And I hit something. Oh, Paul Dalby says, if you want to get to your app replies to light up, I would suggest Buddy Lazier as a driver who went a couple of years before having his career really take off. This is in response to, has anybody done like what Marcus Erickson did and take off in year three or so? Yeah, obviously, Buddy, it helped when a lot of the drivers moved on to cart. A safer answer, Paul says, that would be Jimmy Vassar. Mediocrity to champion in a single year from 95 to 96. That's a good one. We'll continue to discuss that as well. And we're out of time because Jake is in studio. So is Mike Thompson. Beyond the Bricks is coming up. Thanks to Stingray Rob. For Kurt, I'm Kevin. We'll see you tomorrow night at 7 on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.